Welcome to Patreon. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Got it right before him. I haven't started the video yet. That'll be a special treat for our audio only listeners. What's up? <laughs> for our for our video uh tuner inners, you are watching the first issue club Patreon. Vargas snuck me on uh scooped scooped my intro. <laughs> On the damn audio version. Uh, you know, I gotta get my feet wet on these intros one way or another. It's completely fucked, man. <laughs> how could you? It was pretty easy. That's how I could. <laughs> it was pretty easy. I, uh, let me see. How do I want to do this so that my face can be seen? I need you to see my face. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, all right. Uh, this is, a, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend video for this one because yep. we're going to be looking at some art. Yeah. Patreon art edition. We've turned you all on to CGC books and now it's time to turn you into original art goblins. That's right. <laughs> um, I just bought a little card, uh, that Chris Samney did four by six yeah. of she Hulk that is coming in the mail. I'm really excited for that. It is gorge. Yeah, I've I've always tried to do those. He does daily warm-up sketches, and he'll save them up for a couple months and then post them all at once. And I've tried to buy one like three different times, and this was the first time I actually got my hands on one. Normally what I do is I say, that's a cool Spider-Man or that's a cool Wolverine, and I try to buy one of those. Not the best way to go because everyone's trying to get those two pieces. Yeah. So this time I thought She-Hulk's one of my favorite characters, but isn't like a huge A-lister as far as comic dudes collecting original art go. Yeah, the the dudes who would be on Chris Sammy's <laughs> website. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So I scored that one, and I'm I'm stoked to uh, have a piece of his to finally put up in the room. Um. But we're also going to be sharing a lot of the uh, original art that I have collected up to this point um, during the episode today. And we'll probably be talking about a couple other things as well. Yeah. We'll see how much time that gets us through. But we'll talk about like the hobby of collecting art a bit as we're sharing this. So hopefully still fun if you're uh, if you refuse to look at us, if you're audio only. <laughs> Well, I'll try and sneak in some jokes. We'll give you a little a couple of yuck yucks. Fun, yeah, you 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 are on the humor this episode. Um, Greg's not here, so somebody's got to take over. And then, yeah, if you've got, um, you could pose if you've got questions. I'll try to just vamp on why I bought what I bought, how I got it, good places to get this stuff, all those things that you may be curious about as um, an art collector. Yeah, uh, that's a a newbie to collecting, or if you just haven't collected art from comics, period, or if uh, maybe you're an old pro and this shit's boring to you, uh, you might just be interested to hear what pages I have. Yeah, because you're my friend. Maybe maybe Mike has the page you're missing. <laughs> I scooped it from you, baby. <laughs> uh, before we do that. The one thing from the main episode I wanted to talk about yeah. is, well, talk about. We can vamp on. 
mm-hmm. is the difference between a, a 10.0 comic yep. and a 10.0 card. Right. So, obviously, like anything else, you know, the difference between a 10 and a 9.8 is going to be orders of magnitude. Yeah. Whether you're talking about a card or a comic. Mm-hmm. But when I first got into like collecting cards, it blew me away the prevalence of tens. tens. Because coming from the comic book world, a nine point eight is a is a perfect comic. Yeah. You know? Right. That's that's you you can't hope for much better. Right. Tens exist. We found one on eBay. It was a Daredevil, whatever, 173 or something Mm -hmm. from 1979 graded at a 10. Which is unreal. And those those are the ones that are like, you probably have the singular highest graded copy of that comic in the world. Yeah. Which is why a comic like that is worth so much money. Well, yeah, they were selling it for $14,000, (laughs) $15,000. I don't think, so in a comic that's not a key comic. I think it's unrealistic to expect you get that sort of money out of it. But it being a perfect copy of a Daredevil comic from the 70s, um, that's worth two grand, I think. I think if you put that up for auction, it gets two grand or more. I I mean, it's Klaus Jansen art. Yeah. I've seen that Spider-Man, the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man one, Mm -hmm. in like a 9.9 go for like... Uh, twelve hundred dollars or something, which like, I mean, that's one thing where like that comic's not rare. There's a yeah. ton of nine eights of that. I've got three copies of it, but that's just what a nine nine does for you. It's yeah. you're gonna have one of the best copies of it in the world, and for some people, it's worth saying. And that's an iconic cover too, which makes it more fun to have in a, in good shape than a random daredevil comic that's not necessarily a key book or anything yeah but still just its age yeah i think that's two grand or more i i mean i i don't know i have no like frame of of, reference (laughs) right like i just bought my first 9.8 it was that um detective 27 reprint oh yeah yeah yeah. that's right for like 40 bucks or whatever Uh it was so like fun buy I don't, you know, if that book was a 10, would I have spent 45 on it or 50 on it? I don't know. Maybe, probably, right? Like, yeah. I would love to have a 10.0 book, but I have no frame of reference for yeah. like the cost. And maybe that's, that's just the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a 10 is so out of the realm of like what the average collector will, will experience. Yeah. That like, it's a novelty to have. Yeah, well, it's a novelty, and, like, what's it worth? I mean, yeah. what are you going to pay for it? I guess that's the question for anything else. Right. But, you know, you go on to cover price, and there's there's no frame of reference. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I guess that's the point. But, again, on the flip side with the cards, like, you can get a 10.0 anything for, like, five or ten bucks. Yeah. And it's just, you know, whatever. It's I would compare this to well it's it's kind of the reason that more of the DC cardstock covers get tens more often than the floppy newsprint 
Yeah. I guess in quotes. It's not really newsprint anymore. But the magazine style pages, um, just because that stuff's sturdier, right? You got like a thick piece of cardboard for a card. People slide those right into the top loaders. Yeah. The the one ten point book you can find fairly regularly is Batman Damned One. Oh yeah, because it was well. Number one, it was it was hardbound. Uh, hardbound, you know, it was that first black label book. Uh-huh. So people, I think, knew that it would be a collector's item. Yeah, it was that first appearance of the Batawang. <laughs> I love that it's like credited as that. It's so <laughs> funny. It's hysterical. Just like a community like pun <laughs> made it into like. Just normal nomenclature for like what this book is key for. Yeah. Uh, I never read my copy. It's in a bag and board. I we covered it on First Issue Club like five six years ago. Yeah. And I bought it digitally because I was like, I don't want to open this thing. At the the that week, it was selling for like six hundred bucks, a yeah. lot of money, and yeah. it's gone like way down since. Yeah. But it I was selling for covers. a lot. Did you? Yeah. You know what the funny thing is, too, is like every – I bought the A cover, and the Jim Lee cover was selling for way more. Yeah. Which, like, that's the only time I've ever seen that just like a variant that wasn't a ratio uh, for like a B cover selling for more than an A. Yeah. At like, it's so rare. And, and, and that is not the case now. The A cover is the one. To oh, have. has it flipped? Yeah, okay. the A cover is the one. To yeah, have, for sure. I think over time and as like collected editions come out, or more people buy books digitally, it just becomes the visual that you associate. Yeah. With that comic, and so when you think like, "Oh, I have this in my collection," you just don't think of the other cover. Yeah, the bees. Which is why. So I've got the B cover for. I don't know even know if it's a B cover. It's like um, some sort of like incentive copy for um, something is killing the children one, which is that like Frizen cover. Yep. And the first issue and that <laughs> the A cover and that Frizen cover just keep getting like further and further apart. Yeah. And, and that Frizzle was a ratio, right? Wasn't it a I, one in 15 or something? I think it was. Yeah, I think there are technically less of it. Yeah. But the, the A cover has just become iconic at this point, and it gets parodied all the time. And that's the one people want. Maybe at some point in time um, that gap will close a little bit, but it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I feel like those series like did – I mean, obviously Jenny Frizen to all, us was like already like – an artist that we loved and collected her covers in particular because they're so great. But I think the something is killing covers just opened her to a totally new audience. For sure. You know, I bet to um, people, because you think about the, the audience that would be collecting something like something's killing children. And those are people that are going to be buying multiple covers. Yeah. Right. right. You, you, you buy the a, to read and something else, right? Yep. So I bet there are more of those Frizen covers available for purchase than there are the A covers because the A's are the ones people want to hold on to. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yep. Like probably in the world. The market is inundated with the Frizen covers. Yeah, right. Like, like 
There are more A covers out there in the universe. Yep. But people aren't selling them. Available yep. for purchase. Yeah. yeah, the Frozen that's a That's an interesting thing that I had not considered. I bet that's... I mean, I bet that's the same thing with a lot of it, right? The, yeah. Like, go back to Batman Damned. I bet the A covers are the ones people hold on to. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I've got the A cover. I'll sell the Jim Lee. Yeah, right. But I could be talking I, out of my ass. I, le- I learned the um, there's there's a whole era of um, my purchasing history wherein I was just like, I want variants. Mm-hmm. So fun. You get like a rare version of this. They're wackier artists doing wackier things than the A cover. They don't have a lot of the shitty trade dress at the time that I just like didn't like as much. Like, you know, 15 years ago, I feel like trade dresses has gotten so much better in the last few years oh, yeah. than it used to be. But um, now I regret not buying A's for a lot of those comics just because those things. I have plenty of books that have turned into key issues of this, that, and the one I have is worth like two or three bucks meanwhile the a cover is 15 20 <laughs> it's like fuck yeah, man i know <laughs> i thought i was uh making the smart decision getting the one variant that came into the shop for this book but not the case baby i did the same thing i've got a whole bunch of variants for um secret wars and you know some of those yeah. are hits like i've got the technically the first cover appearance of um What's her name? The girl that like was the sentient cosmic cube. Is it binary? Nova? Is that one of the, you know what I'm talking about? I Not Nova. I kind of don't. Binary's the Captain Marvel like energy yeah. version. Yeah. It's whatever. This is in Secret Wars? Yeah. She, her first appearance. The was Hickman Secret Wars? Yeah. Man, I don't know. Yeah. It's not ringing a bell. Well, whatever. I've you're got making, her first cover appearance. You're making this up. I'm making it up. It's never happened. Was it a battle world? It was A Force. It was a variant cover for A Force. Oh, uh, okay. So the the first A Force series. Yes. Oh God. You know what girl I'm talking about? Yes, now, now I do. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it though. I know. It starts with an R. It's something like binary or yeah. Nova or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now you know I'm not making it up. Nope. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the other thing that what is, to stay on cards. Oh, you were talking just, about cards. No, I was just gonna say we need. I've been thinking a lot about just like sending a couple cards in just to do it for fun. Oh, sure. We should we should do it together uh, okay. soon. Just if you've got a couple cards you were been thinking about grading. Sure. I've got a handful of sports cards that would just be like fun to grade. Yeah. So you I'm gonna, gonna send some in just to see how the process goes and. You want to send it on CGC will grade cards now. Their little labels look the same as the comics. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. I say, well, I already have the CGC account, so. Okay. It's probably cheaper to submit than signing up for creating an account somewhere else. Yeah. I'll dig through. I'll dig through. I've got some cool magic cards that I can send. Right on. Dope. I love it. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, (laughs) So the other thing that I wanted to hit quickly is I was trying to think of stuff that I, as a novice collector, had questions about, but couldn't really find like a good answer for. Yep. And the one that popped into my head that I still like, 
kind of doubt because I've never like experienced this in in my own personal life. But uh-huh. like, is there a difference between Mylar and Polly? And if so, is it worth the money? that you spend on mylar yeah because like everybody talks about how great mylar bags are they're four times the price five times the price of a poly bag comic yeah you know you can get a a bag and a board with a poly for 50 cents Mm -hmm. but a mylar is gonna be what two or three bucks yeah especially if you buy them individually yeah the price is so high so in my in my research I found all the science stuff that's like mylar is a better oxygen barrier. Yeah. It is more resistant to like, it has more structural rigidity. So it's more resistant to like waving over time and that kind of stuff, which I guess it's good for um, like long-term storage. What's one of the things you always see on the label of mylar products is archival quality yeah so if you were like storing old newspapers yeah like you would put them in mylar over anything else sure anything like historically significant would go in a bag like that yeah but for you and i the everyday collector does my moon knight 19 from 2023 need to go in a mylar bag no yeah no not at right? all like, yeah right um i mean my my thought is if you're gonna put it in mylar you probably already have it bagged and boarded mm-hmm. let's be real why wouldn't you just buy a top loader and throw it with the sure. bag and board in a top loader yeah it's kind of a presentation thing do you for think like, mylars a, present better? A lot for like, yeah. Okay. They're just crystal clear. And if you're a seller, um, those books just like look like a million bucks. I mean, they look amazing through those those bags versus um another one, which like when you when you think about going through like dollar store comics and you see the they look really shitty and then you put them in a new bag and board. And you're like, oh, this looks a hell of a lot better yeah. than it <laughs> than it did at the shop. Like mylar doesn't yellow and get like scuffed, scuffed yeah, yeah. and get like funky like that over time. Yeah. Um. So I I think it's for some like if I was selling high end comics and move them around a lot, I would be like, yeah, the, there are certain comics that. Or maybe fetch a little bit of a higher price because they look, they present so well, and I feel better about moving them around because the the structural integrity of the bag and the thicker board is so great, and I don't want to buy top loaders for that many yeah. comics. But for a collector, I say buy a handful of top loaders for your comics that are worth like fifty bucks or more. Yeah. And if you have any that are like, I mean, maybe get some, I don't know. If you really want some Mylars and, or you just think they're fun and they present nice, like order a pack and put some. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing where like, you know, I top load comics that are worth like 
25 or more and you know i might have some top loaded now that aren't worth that anymore but my ten dollar books and stuff are just in these boxes behind us in normal bags and boards and if you don't feel great about those ten dollar comics floating around in those normal bags and boards maybe upgrade those to mylar sure that's a decent reason to do it and it's easier to find those comics if you keep them in your boxes yeah if they're in those like rigid plastics you can just be like oh yeah there's a key there's a key there's a key true so there's reasons to buy them but to your point what's the difference you're but you're beginning if you're beginning to collect and you say uh i want to do the best thing for my comics the best thing for your comics is normally over the top well there's there's yeah. a there's a good enough for your comics. <laughs> yeah. That's that's, that's going to be fine. Yeah, the the best thing for your comics would be to buy mylar bags and lay mm-hmm. them cover to cover, alternating staples. You know like Yes, right. But no who does that? Nobody. Yeah, not a lot of not people. Not nobody. Um I have you seen in um CLZ there's a field for you to put in the date you changed your bag last. Yep. And I doubt anyone uses that. You use it? I So <laughs> I only use it, like, if I'm flipping through something, I'm like, uh-huh. oh, this bag is fucked up. Yeah. Or, like, I have a couple comics that I have bagged but not boarded. Yeah. You know, if I am going through it and doing that, I will update it to the date. Unbelievable. I can't believe you. I guess it's like today's date, so it's easy to yeah, just exactly. like put in. And then it probably saves it yeah. for all your subsequent ones you're entering that yeah. day. And I, I only do it like onesie-twosie. It's not yeah. like I do it with 50 comics at a time. Right. So. I change my bags and boards every once in a while. If I pull some, if I pull something out of a box, yeah. if, if I like need to reference something or I'm pull, I, a book is going crazy, so I pull it into a top loader, I'll normally flip through the box just because it's fun to look through those old covers that I haven't looked through in a while. Yeah. And I'll pull out ones that are looking sure. a little worse for wear and replace a bag. Yeah. But I don't do it like on a regular basis or scheduled or anything. I'm not going to do like a yearly audit where I'm like, <laughs> I need to replace bags today. Anything anything that's been in more than yeah. two years. I do just have, I have a shit ton of bags and boards. Um, on hand because I used to I used to buy everything in bulk because I'm like I'm gonna use it right yeah. like <laughs> and it's cheaper if you buy it in bulk so yeah um I would do everything that way and um then I started ordering from Midtown and they send stuff in bags and boards right yeah. so I just have like 500 bags and boards that have been sitting around but I slowly go through them yeah I just cashed a bag of uh, bags so. It's a good thing I have another 400 on hand. <laughs> if there's ever another shortage, I'm set. Yeah. If you, if only you had uh, short boxes. That's the real gold. Yeah. Short boxes are, are great. I order those 10 at a time. Yeah. That's definitely the way to do it. Yeah. And watch if, seriously, if you're ordering short boxes, watch Amazon because those prices fluctuate, man. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're patient, you can get 10 short boxes for under 40 bucks. That's a great deal. Yeah. You just got to set know. a price alert or whatever. Uh, 
I can't remember the brand name. They do their big logo on the side. BCW. BCW. I normally do those, and they're not my favorite by a long shot, but they are the cheapest normally. Yeah. And, I and they're can, good enough. Yeah, they're good enough. I can do 10 of those for 50 bucks. Normally, I can find that deal somewhere. Yeah. So five bucks a short box is like not bad. Yep. Most shops should sell you a short box for five bucks a pop, but not all of them do. Yep. Um, I like I prefer a shorter short box because when the BCW boxes are maybe five inches, four inches longer. Yeah. Than the you ones like the I used to buy. Ones? I like the real short ones because one, easier to carry and move around, and two. Not as drastic of a lean. Dude, I'll trade Those... you. I've got two of them that I'm desperate to get rid of. <laughs> I hate them. I'll take them off your hands, man. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are my boxes. They're just like normally uh, more expensive or you have to order like 25 at a time yeah. to get those. I just haven't found a good place to buy smaller quantities of those. So that's that. That's that. All your collecting knowledge. Yep. All right. Let's see your art, Mr. Artman. Yeah. The gallery. So I started collecting comic book art maybe, I don't know, 10, oh, even 10 years ago. Probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, most of what I buy, for a long time anyway, I got from artists at conventions. <laughs> And it's since become a large thing online, but I'll kind of talk through how I got what as I pull them out here. We'll start with what's on top. That is a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, R.B. Silva page. And at the top here, they've got, Marvel's got these like specific page dealies where they've got a spot for the issue number and the page number and all yeah. that good stuff. For a while, I was um, putting the actual page. I'd buy an extra copy once I got these. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times you can get those in just like dollar bins, right? And I would buy the extra copy out of a dollar bin and then rip the page out and then frame it next to the, the totally. comic. But it was just too much wall space after a yeah. while. <laughs> I've got enough of these, but um, I really like this page. This is Spider-Man 18 from, God, It's this is 2016, so maybe like volume five or six at that point. Um, is that the Nick Spencer? No, it was before that. No, it was before Nick Spencer. This was still Dan Slott. Oh, was it when Peter Parker was like Parker Industries, Peter Parker? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is Parker Industries era. Um, Otto Octavius is in the living brain at this point. That's right. And that's what this page is kind of showing. Yeah. Otto has uh, killed a scientist at Parker Industries who is on to him. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting about this page is if you look at the bottom here, and I'll I'll bring that closer in a little bit, you've got finished inks of auto, and then uh, just pencils of auto there. And it's the same, it's meant to be the same image duplicated twice because it's showing them in the living brain's oh, in eyes. Oh, eyes, that's right. 
and <laughs> they do that every time uh, he'd talk. Every yeah. once in a while, they'd zoom in on that so they could remind you, like, oh yeah, this is Otto Octavius, yeah. not a not a robot. Um, and I just thought it was fun to just show, like, you know, digitally now they grab that other inked part and copied just it, just yeah. copy it and move it over. So a lot of artists don't finish their rough pencils um, on pages like this to keep things moving. And there was a time where, and some artists still work like this because they like working more traditionally, where they'd put what's called a stat on the page. Have you ever heard that term? Mm -mm. So a stat is basically like a photocopy or printed or a, an extra piece of paper that's glued onto the page. And you just can't tell when you scan something for just like the rich blacks and white whites um, that something has been glued on. Okay. So they would take a photocopy of it, cut that out and glue and glue it on to that spot where it was needed. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let me get that closer here so you can just see that a little better. You can see his pencils there. That's cool. I bought that page from RB Silva at um, a C2E2 uh, for $20. That's wild. An actual page from Amazing Spider-Man for 20 bucks. Um, Amazing Spider-Man is my book. If yeah. you've been listening to the podcast long enough, you know that I'm a Spider-Man super freak. But um, even though that's not a page where like anything super interesting is happening. You've got a page of Spider-Man. It's still an amazing Spider-Man page and yeah. it's almost completely inked. And I, the part that's not inked, I think is fun to have in my collection. Cause it's like a interesting process thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then RB Silva at the time wasn't like as big of a name as he is now. So, and he works mostly digitally now. Yeah. So really cool to have one of his pages. Very cool. It's, I mean, it's shocking to me that you got an ASM page for 20 bucks. Yeah, isn't that wild? Like... <laughs> All right, this is Matt and Charlene Kent, uh, Department H. This is a page with a bunch of clues from uh, the first issue. I'm not sure what the page number is, but not on a normal uh, comic book page with like the markup this is just like a large piece of watercolor uh that they scanned um and then you know matt kent always adds fun stuff to the margins <laughs> digitally um but um big matt kent fan love his his work and i love having an, an original piece that's got color in it too yeah so it's fun to see the watercolors there are apparently doing a Department H movie or show. So it'll be really cool to have something from a first issue yeah. um, on hand. Again, I bought this from him at a convention. Um, this one was pretty pricey, but not near as pricey as he sells stuff for now. Yeah. So I got this kind of like at the height of um, mind management popularity. Yeah. But... You know, he's since done, like, Berserker and and stuff like that. So, um, really cool page, like I said, full of clues. Cool to see the wash of watercolor. 
Um, and we've got the main character on a couple of the panels there and the red panels. She's popping in and out of like a, a submarine suit. So I think this one, and I got this one professionally framed. Normally, like professionally framing stuff is like more expensive than the actual art costs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like so not worth it. Um, does this stuff like hold its value or go up in value? Like rarely yeah. does it like go up in value. I would say like, I would say it generally holds its value. The Spider-Man page, I think I could obviously sell for more than 20 bucks. Yeah. But um, I, it's cooler to have. I, this, I, I haven't thought about selling any of these. They're not like an investment to sell. There are some things that over time I think may be worth more depending on the artist. But um, generally... It's not an investment for financial sake. Yeah. It's an investment because you get to have a piece of something from a story you love. Yeah. I don't know if that's my like my own romantic perspective of it, but I would say like don't put a bunch of money into comic book art and expect to sell it in five years for like a huge increase. Yeah, the, the comic book original art is like, it is the ultimate version of the the spec game that, that people play with issues all the time, right? Yeah. Because uh, unless you have the page yeah, from or something the issue, like, yeah. it's not going to be worth anything. And, and now artists know to sell those pages for like 10 grand. Yeah. And they're going to be worth 10 grand. Right. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. They make so many pages now that like having an original page of something isn't unique. Having the original page where something crazy happens is unique. Yeah. So it's more again, it's more for you than it is for anything else. Yeah. All right, this next one's awesome. Uh Yeah, the other ones weren't. I think anyway. <laughs> this is um a, a, my, the first double page spread I ever bought. And I always wanted one. I remember seeing, I'm probably going to have to cover me and Andy's faces for this. This is a Gamma Flight double page spread. And you've got a bunch of the um, Gamma Flight crew killing these like Gamma irradiated zombies. Um, I'd I'd always wanted something that was a double page spread. I remember seeing Tony Moore uh, Deadpool double page spreads in person and being like, those are fucking unreal. And, uh, I, uh, land Medina had this one for sale. There's Titania in the middle of the page there. Land Medina had this one for sale on, um, comic con art.com. And, uh, I made an offer and got it a little cheaper than it was listed for. Nice. Um, Comic-Con Art is a great site. Again, you're kind of buying like directly from the artist through a agent, more or less. Sure. And they're easy to work with. The drop, you know, like a lot, like places like Felix and Cadence do like drops. And yeah. then all the like people buy it immediately with like people who have like fucking tons of money. Yeah. Just like scoop 
tons of stuff up. This site is a little more chill, lesser known, doesn't have like maybe necessarily those like huge titles coming through. Well, so what I've noticed about Comic-Con art is they represent a lot of inkers. So you can get original pages from these crazy books like uh, the the Strange, the book that was just out there, their inker is represented on Comic-Con art. But you can get a page from Strange for like 80 or 100 bucks because it's not from the artist. Yeah. It's from the inker. Basically, so what used to happen was you'd have someone do pencils on a page and then they would do the inks over that, right? Yeah. Now the penciler does the art scans it, emails it to the inker. The inker prints out full-size versions of those, like 11 by 17 pages, and they do the actual inks over the printouts. Um, so... Whatever, you're, that's you're, original art in my you're, book. <laughs> you're, you're getting the original page that was used to... that was scanned in to color. Yeah. Right? Like the blacks and things that you're seeing in the comic book are from the page that you have in your possession. Um, so far, everything I've shared is um, drawn and inked by the same person. Yeah. But there are cases, and I have some in here, where I got some stuff super cheap because it was bought from the inker. Yeah. I'd rather have the inked stuff than raw pencils. Same. Raw pencils does not present really well. Um, I've got... I'm going to move my camera real quick. I don't know how well this is going to read over here. But I've got um, a page of just pencils from Phil Hester, who did a Godzilla book. Yeah. And I've got some of my like cheaper pages underneath some table glass over here, just because I think it looks cool. And... Yeah, again, it's cool to see for like a from a process perspective, but just like up on a wall, they look like a bunch of nothing. The the yeah. the grays of the pencils are just like so washed out. They're meant to be pretty light, so uh, you can ink over them easily. Yeah, uh, the only original art I have is a penciled page, and I'm glad I bought it because I think it was thirty five bucks, and it came with the comic. But, yeah, it, it doesn't uh, look great up on a wall. Oh, I don't know how well this is going to come out. I think that might be the closest I can get without unplugging this thing. Yeah. But under my Keurig here. Well, to your point that you, you can't really yeah. even make out what it is, and that camera is four feet away from it. Yeah. <laughs> And you can't make out Mike D's voice because his microphone is five feet away from his mouth. Oh, so right. <laughs> I just get to say whatever I want to say. And Oops. <laughs> oh, it's so crooked. He's got to fix the camera. I'm glad one of us is a perfectionist. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, double page spread was pretty cheap. I mean, you see those from, like, major artists on, like, big publishers for, um, like, over a thousand dollars pretty often and that was um less than half of that i'll Hell say yeah um okay 
This is a non-published page that Jim Toe did, who worked on that, like, extreme, what was that, Extreme Avengers book, Ultimate Avengers. Uh, All Out Avengers. All Out Avengers. And I really like his style. Very crisp, kind of, like, anime-inspired. And this was like a spec page that he'd done, so non-published page. But it's got Captain Marvel um, kind of going half binary here, uh, screaming no more zombies as a reference to no more mutants. Yeah. And she's killing a Captain America, a Wolverine, and a Spider-Man uh, Marvel, cool. Marvel zombie. Um, really rad page. Um, and again... Lines are like super crispy on that. And this one was like a hundred bucks. And I bought this one on Cadence. So Jim Toe's represented by Cadence. And he had a drop of like a ton of uh, pages. And I was, again, I was late to this one. Um, saw it like four days after it had posted. And it was still available. So that's a great page. Those unpublished pages are a lot cheaper and a lot of times they're pages that someone's doing to show off how good they are, yeah. right? So they're like really dynamic compositions and um I love this one. It's just so cheeky and fun and it's perfect for you. Who yeah, I know. It's like a complete alignment of my interests <laughs> here. Yeah. All the fun Marvel characters in there. And Captain Marvel's beating up on all the other characters. What more could you want? As 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 she should be. <laughs> we talked about this page on the main episode. This one I'm really jealous of. And that is... Um, the kind of alpha issue of the Captain America Cold War stuff that kicked off the Sentinel of Liberty and, uh, God, I always forget the other one. Uh, Symbol of Truth. Symbol of Truth storyline where Bucky's um, meets this uh, cabal of people who, like, are actually running the world. (laughs) Uh, And... I thought this page was really striking. Um, it's nice on a wall. Um, it doesn't scream comic book yeah. from far away, which, you know, my wife is always happy to put up art that's, you know, not Spider-Man swinging around. It's a little Boo. more. <laughs> um, it might not come across great in this view, but the... Um, you can see watermarked. It's got 1922 in the top, which was a really cool um, panel that they've got, like the digital letters or numbers, rather, for that um, at the top of the page in the actual printed comic. So this one was um, penciled by a different person and inked by the person that I bought this from. And... Because of that, it was incredibly inexpensive. I bought two of this person's um, pieces and asked if they would take 
four hundred for both. I think a hundred bucks a page. So for double spreads. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's basically what it what it boiled down to. That's awesome. Totally worth it. All right. I bought this from Phil Hester. This I'm very jealous of too. At a uh, convention, and this was in a stack of twenty dollar pages. That again, I bought along with that Godzilla page, and then another page we're going to share later, which I thought was really cool because the Godzilla page is all pencils. This page is outlined, but not filled. Oh yeah. And then the last Phil Hester page I have is completely inked. So those three pages next to each other kind of show the process of of making comic book art. Um, so on this, you see, this is an Ant-Man page. Um, which was it? Uh, Invincible Ant-Man? Whichever, the- it was the one that Hickman wrote. Um... Is that no? Is that irredeemable? Irredeemable Ant Man. Irredeemable Ant Man. That wasn't Hickman. No, it was uh, Kirkman. Kirkman. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman it. wrote this. Yeah. That's the one with uh, Grady. Owen Grady. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly right. Um, but this this page in particular is a really cool scene, um, and you see all like the X's that Andy Parks is another Kansas City guy. Yeah. Who draws writes. Um, inks comics and he's got the x's marked in as places for them to fill the blacks yeah and with some pages for comics that they're moving through quickly they'll just do the x's to tell the digital colorist hey just use the paint bucket and fill this part black just black it save save us some time so obviously phil couldn't sell these pages for as much because they weren't fully inked but uh, the priority at the time was getting as many pages done as possible as right. quick as quick as they could. Yeah, you don't so, want to be the guy who holds up a Robert Kirkman book. <laughs> yeah, so uh, really cool to have a Kirkman written uh, book. Um, some some page art from that, especially from a for a Marvel comic and uh, an artist that I like so much. Yeah, that has some like Kansas City ties. That's a great page. So really cool one. Here, I'll pull that up closer, too. Oh, it kind of tells a little story. That's a a great maxi, if anybody out there hasn't read it. Yeah. Uh, Irredeemable White Man. It's a fun one. Obviously, Kirkman wrote it, so it's good. It's hysterical. (laughs) But yeah, that page in particular kind of has like... A beginning, middle, and end. They walk into a shop. They have an exchange with the person at the counter. And then the end has them leaving with what they wanted and, like, the silhouettes, like, walking out. So I love that that one just kind of, like, encapsulated, like... It's self-contained. It's Yeah, it's like a little self-contained page. Okay. This is an original JRJR. <laughs> kind of. So this is in a, uh, a situation, again, where... Um, I bought this from the inker. So this person inked a John Romita Jr. page that, again, was uh, scanned. Um, But still, this was the page that was scanned for the actual Fantastic Four comic. 
this was that big um Kang issue that was like an anthology sort of issue like timeless timeless is that what it was um that they had several like mini stories in it that each one was like Kang through time um doing different stuff with the Fantastic 4 so cool to have like a big um Fantastic 4 like event book um original page and all these council of the kings um i mean this this is like huge it's <laughs> it's it doesn't have any of the fantastic four in it but i think it's cool that it's got kang yeah in it and uh I mean, it's a jrjr page and yeah that i mean his style just like is one of those things that just screams at you so it's cool as soon as you like you for you know big comic book fans who our, our buddies of mine who haven't been over before and then I'm like oh yeah like they're like yeah I got to check out your collection and like this this page always smacks people in the face they're like holy shit <laughs> and I yeah again I think that one you know again this was the second half of that thing where I uh did 400 for both pages so totally worth it so you you know like you said 200 bucks for for that that's a looks like a jrjr page so he it didn't is, actually it is, it a, is JRJR. a jrjr page but again he penciled it scanned it and sent it to the anchor look i the getting a jrjr page that he hasn't touched is the best way to get it <laughs> less smudgy yeah and, yeah and and it's about twelve hundred dollars cheaper <laughs> yeah that's exactly right and look you know those again the inked pages just present better i think so i agree I'd rather have the, the page that looks nicer. This is an Impulse page from Volume 1 of Impulse. Um, I bought this from Umberto Ramos at a convention for 100 bucks, um, which, you know, legendary artist. So really cool to have something original of his, um, especially a, a DC title that at the time was... Um, selling really well was like a breath of fresh air on on DC and this one has them at a concert this issue was um i think titled Sonic Youth and Sonic Youth is a band that i yeah, love very and cool. <laughs> i thought like everything aligned they're at like a rock concert and uh as andy was showing you that close up i think this is maybe the only page i have that's like fully hand lettered so oh, yeah like we were mentioning stats earlier, sometimes they cut out the bubbles and lay them on top of the original art. Uh -huh. But Ramos would actually do the bubbles in, and then it goes to a letter yeah. who then letters the the comic based on that. So really rad to see super cool the the actual bubbles put in there. Um, and what they've got for the way they do a lot of the bubbles, if you're wondering, like man, that person drew an insanely perfect circle. Uh, they've got stencils most of the time of like, you know, 50 different yeah. word bubble shapes Slightly and different shapes. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you either do a pencil then and go back and trace it or go right direct with the ink the first time and, and get that perfect bubble shape. So that's how they do a lot of that stuff. Ramos. I think that's as crazy that I have yeah. an original Ramos page. Again, for a hundred bucks, is like so cheap. Original art's kind of like 
I think people know what they're selling a little more and they're better at like marketing that well, it's, stuff it's, and selling it when it's like really relevant. And it's easier to sell now. Right? Like on the internet. Yeah. yeah. And and as an artist, you can just hand it off to Jim at Comic Con Art. Yeah. And he'll sell it for me for a hundred bucks instead of twenty dollars at a yeah, con. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think this is my favorite page. This is R.B. Silva, Uncanny X-Men. Um, between This was like between um, Hawks and... It was before Hawks and Pox, which he did the art on like Powers of X. And um, so it was cool to see an X-Men artist stay on for Powers of X, but... This was that, I think, Age of X-Man was the series that, like, Im- immediately preceded this. And this this book led into that, this series led into that Age of X-Man um, arc. But, again, bought this before he started working digital only. Um, his lines are unbelievably clean. I've never seen another artist uh draw in ink like this yeah and have it looks like digitally crisp in like this kind of manner it's just like unbelievable yeah it's wild how good it is yeah there's there's certainly when you see those like stormbreakers there is like a new school of artists that just the way they were brought up and how much they focus their craft is just uncomparable so again, C two E two, I want to say one hundred and twenty dollars for Wild. this page. Unbelievable! I think if RB Silva had a Felix or a Cadence site that he sold from, and sold this exact same page now, this would be like a three hundred dollar or more page. Yeah, probably two fifty starting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is gorgeous. We got Gene. Um, Iceman and X-23 and then someone who's harder to name. Some other guy. <laughs> oh yeah, some guy. He's my, he's my favorite. Some guy, yeah. He's the power uh, he has the power to make you forget all about him. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> okay. This is a Nick Bradshaw page. I really like Nick Bradshaw. He reminds me a lot of Art Adams. And this book had a couple of my favorite characters on it. It's got Glob Herman, who I love, and then Mojo, who I think is just such a fun villain and character. Um, Nick Bradshaw also does like really clean lines and intricate uh, drawings, but they're you know you look at them up close and it's it doesn't match like how uncanny and wild the RB Silva inks are, but um, still a really fun page. This book was, this is from X-Men black mojo. Oh yeah. And they, this one was written by Scott Ackerman who hosts comedy bang bang. And I'm also a huge comedy bang bang fan. So this page worked for me on multiple levels. (laughs) 
you got to take that and get it signed by Scott. I would love to. That would be great. I um, Comedy Bang Bang came through Kansas City a while back, and I threw it in my car because I was like, maybe they'll do like signings afterwards, and I didn't want to carry it around, but I was like, I'll have it in the back of the car. And after the show was over, we went back home, and then I found out the next day that they were – hanging out at Flying Saucer after the show, oh, yeah. which was a place we went to like all the time back then. And I was like, damn it. If we could have gone, I probably could have like walked up to their table and yeah. been like, hey, will you sign this? Hey, you wrote this. And he's a big comic book fan, so he probably would have had a, a fun little conversation about could comics. Been, could have been best friends with him. That's the dream. A scary fan who's like, I want to be your friend. All right, last one we have to share. This might be my favorite of yours. Ah, this is a uh, Phil Hester page of Flash, which again tells like, you know, has a great scene to scene thing of of like a pillar falling on the on the flash and it just like every panel zooms in a little closer and it just makes for such a cool visual um i really like this because it is page one from issue one it's like a really cool like opening um scene there and this is flash season zero i think was the name of the book Oh, is it the CW? It's based on the CW show. Okay. So it's got the um, uh, kind of that like CW flash outfit design in here a little bit. And, I, you know, I like that outfit style. And then um, it's just kind of cool to have the first. This is the first rendering yeah. of the CW flash in cw barry allen in comic books yeah very cool so really cool to have um hundred dollar page uh i think now this would be three hundred dollar page yeah it'll be interesting we're going to uh fountain city comic-con out in kansas yeah and phil hester's gonna be there a lot he that used to be a thing he would do all the time was have would just like have that stack of pages he just needed to get rid of and do 20 bucks a piece I really regret not getting. He had a bunch of um, Invincible Universe oh, uh, yeah. pages, and I didn't buy one, um, and I wish I would have now. But um, uh, this one was one that um, I was thinking about buying a couple things from that stack, and I was like, you know what? After you buy three books, th- three pages from the twenty dollars stack, I'm at sixty bucks. I'm forty dollars away from like. A really nice, yeah. fully inked page from like a premiere book. I would rather put my money at that point towards something that I was like, wow, this is cool to have. This is yeah. a Justice League member, right. one of the biggest comic book characters in a big solo title, the first page, and I love the um, structure of it. Um, so had to have that one. That's it. Very I've got good. other I've got other little things here and there that are um like Kevin Mellon is a Kansas City guy who's done some smaller indies and I have a couple of his pages and 
um, some smaller things that are around and not on display or not framed. Um, but I, I, I love, uh, again, like having the Gamma Flight page, the Immortal Hulk was one of my favorite series. Um, Gamma Flight was a tie-in. I think I've talked about this before, but like we found out Joe Bennett was an asshole, so I didn't want to own any Joe Bennett pages. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this Gamma Flight thing is a great way because it was it tied directly into that series as a spinoff. Al Ewing wrote it. Um, and so now I feel like I, I own a piece of that history and lore and... Um, I've got it in my office. I work at this desk and I just love, there are certain pages that I have from this collection that I just love being able to look at every day. And I think it's so cool um, having something from these actual, actual artists. So yeah. I've got a um, couple other uh, artists or maybe like characters or things that I would love to have like original art from. I'd love to have a daredevil page. I'd love to have. I don't have a uh, Captain Marvel page proper. Sure. So I'd love to have a Captain Marvel page. Um, Corey Smith is on Cadence yeah. and does some amazing stuff. So um, I could pick up one of those sometimes. Uh, and then there's there's some really cool Daredevil stuff from Chip Zdarsky's run that's floating around online too. So I might pick up one of those. But um, yeah, for the most part, I mean, I I own a lot of stuff that I'm like, if there were artists that I'd want to own something from, yeah, you've got them. I've I've kind of got them at this point, yeah. so I'm really proud of my collection, and I'm running out of wall space anyway, so <laughs> I can be much more selective now. <laughs> if you could own one page of original art from any comic, what would what would the page be? I'll I, I know I, I dumped it on you. I, I'll go first. Yeah. You have and, a clear answer in your yeah. head? All right. So And let me say this too. This is not for resale. No. Is that work for you? Yeah, no. Because otherwise you'd pick like the Amazing Fantasy fifteen cover. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'd sell it for like five million dollars. Yeah. Dark Knight Returns cover. Yeah. <laughs> the original Dark Knight Returns uh -huh. cover. Um so I would pick I don't even know who the artist was. Um, but it's from J. Michael Straczynski's Spider-Man run uh -huh. during Civil War when Captain America gives the River of Truth speech. Oh, yeah. That's a big splash page mm -hmm. of just Cap with the word bubbles. And I would love to have that page with the word bubbles as original art. Um, in my apartment in Springfield... I had a whole wall of comics up by my front door, mm -hmm. and I had that page on the inside of the back door. Yeah, that's like, rad. Ah, fuck, you gotta go outside and like, <laughs> it's just it's just inspiring, you know, yeah. an aspiring uh, thing to look at as you're opening your door every day. Yeah. Um, I would probably do one of the. Watchmen pages from Mars. Oh yeah, where they're going uh -huh. through like the we're we're existing in one moment that is all, then here and now, and yeah. they're building that like beautiful like crystal palace up on Mars. Yeah, they're like 
I love that sequence. It's one of my favorite comic book sequences ever. And I think the art in it is just so striking. And again, the like classic nine panel grids. Yeah. I'm a huge sucker for. There's is that David Gibbons? Gibbons, yeah. yeah. So I think that, I mean, having a Watchmen page would be like unfucking believable. Yeah. yeah. And then that sequence in particular is something that I'm like, again, sometimes stuff with like superheroes in it, like it's cool for me to have. But as far as like art on your wall goes, it's maybe like a little corny to have like a poster of the flash up. Yeah. (laughs) Those I think are so striking and so like timeless and nonspecific that it just looks like a, a beautiful like scene of like ethereal cosmic collision and building uh just epic yeah i love that that is that issue i think it's number four somewhere in the middle (laughs) it's it's one of my favorite like single issues of all time that that and it's the only issue of watchman i own oh is is it really yeah that one issue yeah that's cool i don't think i own any of the single issues yeah I just um Greg's got the whole series. Really? Yeah. Wow. I read it for the first time as a trade like a lot of people yeah. or as a graphic novel. Same. Um at the time that I read it, I I don't think I even knew that it came out as individual comics. Oh, really? I was like this is a graphic novel. Sure. It was written as a graphic novel that has all the connected pieces. Um because I, yeah, I think that was one of the first graphic novels I read. I you know I grew up reading like individual floppy copies of Spider Man, Batman, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but when I was old enough to be like, I should read a collected thing. That was one of the first ones I read, and I've read it like eight times since. It's so fucking good. I had the absolute version, and I loaned it to a buddy, and uh, never saw yeah. it again. I loaned a copy to, um. Greg and he let another friend borrow it and it got like so waterlogged. It had like just tons of like water and shit all in it. And uh a uh like a a new edition came out when they did the Watchmen movie. Yeah. And Greg or Rick bought me another copy of it then so i've got the like one that's like soon to be a major motion picture like on on the front of it (laughs) which is fine yeah i can read it whenever i want i i need to get another copy because that absolute edition was awesome yeah we're talking about oversized omnis yeah right having that art was so great yeah and i've been wanting to reread that i just watched the movie again actually i like the movie a lot i i don't know why people hate on the movie i mean the sex scene is really bad and should have mm-hmm. been cut and they should have gone with the, the squid at the end. But you think they should have done the squid? That's for the, sure. That's the big thing people yeah. talk about for me. Sometimes it's fun when a, a movie ends a different way from than the source material because it gives you this big, like, Oh moment. Like even if you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, it was, it was certainly of, more believable to have it be like a bomb. Yes. And then that's the reason Captain Manhattan 
Captain Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan has to leave. Yes. Like, it's far more plausible than... Yes. And and because the alien's almost non sequitur. Yeah, right. You know, it's like totally out of nowhere. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and part of me thinks, and, and may, I don't know if they filmed a version of it or they did like a test of like the storyboards, but part of me thinks that your average moviegoer out of context of like comic books and Dave Gibbons beautiful art if you plopped a big octopus on New York City at the end of the movie people would have been like that's laughable like what the fuck is that yeah. but for us having read the series it was kind of like what is this ending yeah i always think like the um they changed the ending to da vinci code in the movie and I like. Oh, I didn't read the book. Yeah, I really enjoyed that ending. That was one of those things where I was like, you know, this uh, book is like a massive bestseller. Yeah. And I was like, I think I might actually like the movie better. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Angels and Demons, on the other hand, trash movie. Great book. If you like, you know, corny yeah. um, action books. Didn't know he had such a Dan Brown fan over I here. do like Dan Brown books. Um, just like, uh, I don't know. We read comic books. No one's. I don't think anyone's going to shame me for being a Dan Brown fan. Um, but yeah, just like John Grissom, Dan Brown, uh, and uh, what's his face? The biggest Stephen King. Oh, sure. I mean, they write some like really corny, fun books. But I mean... So a lot of some people roll their eyes when you're just like, oh yeah, those guys. But hey, they're fun to read, dude. You know, that, I, I like my reading to not feel like a chore. Yeah. <laughs> you know that movie, The Meg. Yeah. So that was based on a, a book series, uh -huh. and I've read all of them. Oh really? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no nice. shame from this side of the all table. Right. I've read an entire series about big sharks eating people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a. There's also this layer with. Um, Dan Brown where he seems he's so he seems like he's one of those people who's so atheist oh yeah that that portion of it is like okay man chill out <laughs> like I'm not like hardcore Christian and but like you could tell there were a lot of things in there that he was just like baiting Christians to get pissed off yeah and it was like all right like chill out a little bit yeah. man at the beginning of the book, there's like disclaimers in it that are like, while this is a work of fiction, all the art described and all the facts about the art and the historic, everything historical in this book is true. And then. Okay. And, Calm down, Dan. And yeah. And then he makes like, you know, all these like really heavy handed like statements about Jesus's life yeah. and stuff that it's just like, okay. It's like. Uh... This isn't adding to the story at all now. This is kind of just like a fuck you to people who are really religious. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like, like, again, I don't personally, I don't believe in any of the like Christian stuff, but I respect other people's beliefs. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to like fully enjoy something that's like shitting on anybody. Sure. And I'm, it, I'm not a bully. Especially when it feels <laughs> like that's the point. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's like, uh, um, I, I've tried to read 
Rainbow Six. I think it was Rainbow Six. Oh, yeah. Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. Mm-hmm. That motherfucker will spend 10 pages describing a bullet leaving a gun and then be like, <laughs> yeah. and then it killed the guy. And it's uh-huh. like, <laughs> I don't give a shit about the bullet or uh-huh. the gun that it was fired yeah, from, Tom. I care about the people. Yeah. He's a gear guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's a gear guy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, another successful Patreon. We can do it without you, Greg, even though we don't like to. Sucker. Uh, Greg will be back next week, and then I think we're all kind of hopefully back on a little more of a normalized schedule. Do you have any travel coming up? Not recent. Not soon. I don't have any travel coming up for the foreseeable future, and I think Greg's got his summer traveling out of the way. So we've had a on and off couple of months with scheduling, but we've we've mostly not missed anything. I th- we're, we're pretty solid for the most part. Yeah. So, um, we'll be we'll be we'll be back to our our normal selves, um, next week uh, for a good long stretch. I think. Perfect. All right. Catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Oh, wrong thing. <laughs>